apparently live for our first live episode of the We Geeks podcast. How's it going, Nathaniel? It's good. I'm, I'm very hesitantly beginning um, because I, I have the stream brought up, but it still says it's offline, and at some point it's going to kick in, and I'm going to hear one of our voices uh, in the back of my head distracting me. Uh, but no, it's good. My, my windows might appear to be lighting up with flashes of light. It's not the paparazzi. I promise. Uh, it's just a, a thunderstorm that hit right before we started recording. But that's the life of somebody who records on YouTube. Uh, I just think of it's, course, it's it just always is. thunderstorming whenever you want to record. <laughs> yeah. I do see on my YouTube dashboard that we are live. Okay. At least YouTube is receiving data from Wirecast. So that's a good thing. That is that is good. Now, I'm getting I'm getting an ad. I'll, I'll hit skip this ad and see what happened. Uh, I think it started right where I kind of like put my finger up. Uh, like that, so it looks good. I'm Just not, keep it up. Yeah, I'll keep it up. I, I have the sound muted, though, so as not to distract me. But anyway, that the, thus we usher in the era of potentially live streaming the podcast as we record. Uh, I guess we'll see how this goes and see what happens and, and all that. But it's episode 27 of the We Geeks podcast, brought to you by... We geeks, the the two of us, me. I'm Nathaniel Dodds, and he's Howard Pinsky. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Both. I'm at Tutvid, T-U-T-V-I-D. He is at Ice Flow Studios. And if you're watching this live, you can actually see our Twitter handles right below us. Yes. You can do that before. Right. That's true. But if you're true. listening on SoundCloud, which is you can follow us on SoundCloud, and if you're on YouTube now, there's a link somewhere around the video. You can go right to SoundCloud. What's nice about SoundCloud is you can go there and comment along as you're listening to the podcast. And if you're on YouTube, you can hopefully chat. I don't know if anyone's actually watching right now. It says no one's watching, which is very sad. But you can apparently chat with us, and maybe we can respond as we go. So soundcloud.com slash wegeeks. You can follow the podcast there, comment along. We're also on iTunes. There's no fancy URL for that, but head over to SoundCloud. There is a link directly to iTunes there. We're on Stitcher Radio. I don't know if many people use Stitcher, but it's a thing, and we're on there. And we also have a Patreon page, and if you love our podcast, you can support us. And we do have a few patrons that we do love to shout out every single week. This week, week we have to thank Michael, Caleb, Genevieve, Steve, Roberto, Jordan, and Craig. So thank you so much for your ongoing support. It's much appreciated. Uh, and then and where can they find the podcast afterwards? That's, where can they that's read what I was just about things? to jump into. All the stories and issues and things that we talk about in the podcast, uh, you can check them out. Links to the articles, screenshots, embedded YouTube videos, all that good stuff over at tutvid.com slash wegeeks slash episode uh, 27, and that's the number 27. I usually get that up within about – I usually try to get it up the day the podcast goes up. I'll put it to you that way. It doesn't really go up in conjunction with the <laughs> podcast, but typically the day of the podcast. Yeah, so if it's not there, go back a little bit later on. And Nathaniel does a really great uh, job at getting all the show notes. So any links you want to the stories or whatever it might be. Oh, we have people talking in the chat. This is exciting. Well – Good for them. Uh, so, Howard, <laughs> I saw you tweeting out earlier in the week that uh, you're partnering with a PC company in, in in light of the new YouTube gaming platform. And you, we had actually – I don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast last week, but you had mentioned that you were considering getting a PC – Strictly for gaming, but you were you were trying to justify the essentially twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars you were looking to spend on a you know, like a top shelf great gaming PC. 
What's the deal with that? Uh, why don't you tell the people what's going on? I honestly don't even really know what's going on. I saw you tweeting that you had partnered with somebody. Um, what's the down low? Yeah, so if you've listened to the podcast before, or if you have, if you know me at all, you know I'm a Mac user. I've been using Mac forever, probably about 10 years now. Huge fanboy. Since boy. the last time I... Huge fanboy. Yeah, boy. well... I would probably consider myself a fanboy, but it's mostly like a business tool for me. For my designing and for my video editing, I just find that the OS X operating system works a little bit better. But, of course, I don't hate PCs. And I'm also a big gamer. I play as many games as I can. I don't have much time to game, but I try. Um, So now that YouTube Gaming is coming out, which is... It's basically a competitor to Twitch. It's a direct competitor to Twitch, mm-hmm. and it's YouTube's version. I'm hoping to start streaming a little bit more. And this is kind of like my first exploration into the streaming world on YouTube. They released their new streaming platform. It's right. been in beta for a few months, and I think now it's in beta for, I think, all creators, which is kind of cool. Um, but I have realized that, obviously, PCs are definitely better for gaming. I can game on my Mac. I can play games like World of Warcraft and Hearthstone and Diablo on my Mac. And I have a Mac Pro, so it runs really well. But there are a lot of games that I just simply can't play. And my Mac Pro, for the most part, can't be upgraded. So I can't really replace... I mean, I can replace the graphics cards, but it's absolute pain in the butt. So I'm not even going to bother with that. So out of a whim, I just tweeted, I'm looking to get a gaming PC... I'm not sure if I should go with Doghouse Systems or I think the other one was Digital Storm because those are the two I kind of settled on which what I was going to purchase at some point. And Doghouse Systems reached out to me and said, let's talk. We have some ideas. So I've been talking back and forth with Doghouse Systems and they're not giving me a PC, but they're giving me a bit of a discount and I'm going to be promoting them in some of my streams, maybe the podcast at some point because there is some financial things in that deal, which I'll talk about at some point. But I'm actually very excited. With the release of Windows 10 and DirectX 12, which is supposed to really boost gaming on PCs, Mm -hmm. and I also have an Xbox One, so you can kind of, you know, stream the games that way. I'm actually quite excited. And I've never really had anything against PCs. I just didn't really have a need for one. Right. So I am... Hell has frozen over. I am getting a PC probably within... The next few weeks, maybe the next month. Now, here's here's what I'm trying to figure out. Right now, the current chip in most computers is the Intel Haswell chip, which I think is the fourth generation mm-hmm. Intel chip. Skylake just came out, and it might be a few weeks before Doghouse Systems and other companies get these i7 chips. So I might wait a few weeks. Just I might as well have that chip. Right, the latest and um, greatest. Might as well. If, you know, if it's just a few weeks wait, right. if it was a few months or half a year, I probably wouldn't bother. But a few weeks, I'll probably wait it, wait it out. Right. So I guess the question of the hour is, will you Instagram a photo of the computer or I guess better yet, do an unboxing of the PC when you get it? I may. You know, I haven't considered an unboxing. Instagram, of course, I'll, I'll throw up an Instagram on there. Um, I don't know. Will I do an unboxing? See, here's the thing. I have a gaming channel, which is youtube.com slash callmehoward, and I have this channel. What I'm thinking of doing, and I know this is going to bother a lot of people, I was thinking of streaming everything from this channel and then uploading the gaming streams separately to the gaming channel afterwards. Maybe I'll do one or two streams where I stream like Hearthstone from this main channel, right. which is going to bother people because it's not Photoshop, but I also will stream Photoshop at some point. 
Um, but I don't know. I'm going to experiment with a few things, and we'll see how that goes. You can't get away from Photoshop. Of all the computer games I've ever played, Photoshop is still the best. Far and away the yeah, best. Yeah, really. <laughs> best video game out there. <laughs> yeah, so cool. No, that sounds cool. I mean, it'll definitely be something I'll, I'll keep an eye out for. Um, and if you need help learning like what Control-Alt-Delete is or anything like that, just let me know. I can, <laughs> you know, text me. I will. You will be. I will be messaging you all day, every day. How do I get into the control panel or whatever it's called? <laughs> exactly. So uh, you also had mentioned that you bought your first real smart home device, and we haven't really talked about smart home stuff, Apple Home, all that stuff. We had talked about it for several weeks in a row on the podcast, maybe two months ago now. Um, uh, what did you get? Did you do you like it? <sighs> well. I got the Ring doorbell, which was used to be called something else. It's not the it's not something else anymore. Now it's called Ring doorbell or something like that. Mm. And it's basically a doorbell that you put on the outside of your house and it has a camera, it has a microphone, it has a speaker and the doorbell function, which I thought was great because we don't have one of those little peepers on our door, whatever they're called, ice door holes I don't right. know. Um, so if someone's at the door I can't really look through the thing like we've had Jehovah Witnesses come to our door several uh -oh. times I don't want to deal with them yeah well so let me talk to I you about something. let me talk to you about the savior <laughs> yeah really I wanted something to just like know who's at the door so we got this doorbell and I thought it would be the reviews were okay so I installed it, it took forever to install this thing mm -hmm. because I had to drill into the side of our house and whatever Whoa. so it was working for a few hours then all of a sudden it stopped working. People came to the door, they rang the doorbell, nothing. So I brought it back inside, I reinstalled the software, whatever you do, charged it for about seven hours. It said it was at 100% on my phone, installed it back on the outside of my house. It was working for about another few hours. Next day, Hold on, time out. You have to continually charge the doorbell for it to work? Well, well, the marketing and the package says that one charge from 100% should last about 12 months, right? Oh, okay. From right now, I can't get my phone, but the last time I checked, which was a few hours ago, it went from 100% to 38% in a matter of less than 24 hours. So either the thing is defective or it's just a piece of garbage. I don't know which one it is. I've seen very good reviews on this thing, so mine might be defective. I might have to take it back to Best Buy and get a new one. But for my first real smart home device i'm not very excited about this not very thrilled gotcha okay well did you get it through amazon.com by any chance no i got it through best buy um the one just there's one down the street i'm sure they'll be okay with exchanging it we, we actually bought a mouse at the same time for my wife and it was she didn't really like the way it clicked it was making this weird noise so we brought it back and they exchanged for a new one so hopefully they can do the same with the doorbell. Gotcha. Cool. No, I have I have yet to buy a, a true smart device. The closest thing I have to a smart device um, are like my AirPlay speakers, but that's you know, it's like the it, a step it's like the infant uh, stages of, of smart devices. But I've had them for a few years. So, but yeah, when you get a home, um, I never mm. really considered many smart devices when I lived in an apartment. Right. But when you get a home, you're gonna want to outfit the home with like thermostats and doorbells and smart ovens and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. So, let's talk about this uh, the story that came out that actually you brought to my attention uh, about the the Amazon employment. I honestly, I 
briefly glanced at the article and saw that uh, basically the CEO had, as you would expect, come out and sort of denied the claims. Um, but I mean, what's the scoop? What's the deal uh, with Amazon and, and their work situation? This is a very strange story. So there was this article that came out, the New York Times, I believe, released it. And they released this after they interviewed over 100 current and past Amazon employees. What is this person in the chat talking about? Are you seeing this? Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Um, <laughs> so there were a lot of Amazon employees that have been interviewed for this article. And the consensus is that Amazon is an absolutely terrible place to work for. And one of the employees actually said, nearly every person I worked with, I saw cry at their desk. And apparently they have this tool that they call the Anytime Feedback Tool, which basically allows any employee within Amazon to discreetly send feedback, whether it's good, very good, or incredibly bad, to their managers. And this stuff gets brought up in meetings and reviews and things like that and apparently it's just driving the place crazy and i mean we've seen articles in the past where we've seen the warehouses in amazon these things are absolutely massive mm -hmm. and i don't know if this article applies to those employees or just the ones that actually work behind a desk but those people sound incredibly frustrated to work for this company and it's really hard to tell because even though this was 100 employees Right. It's still a very small percentage of Amazon employees. So Jeff Bezos, or Bezos, or however you pronounce it, the CEO of Amazon, he came out and actually responded to this article. He emailed all of his employees, and he basically said, you know, this is not the company that I know. The article doesn't describe the Amazon that I know. And what was weird is he encouraged employees to report any negative behavior directly to HR or directly to him. And, you know, this is coming from a guy who basically sits behind a desk in a fancy office all day. He doesn't really interact with all of these people. And he doesn't really get on the floor of Amazon to see everything that's going on. So it's, it's a very strange story, but I certainly... From reading this, I certainly w wouldn't want to work for Amazon. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I have a really hard time when I look at stuff like this because, like, in my heart of hearts, I look around me and see just what I would classify as the complete sissification of most of the people that I know and respect just just in general over the past 20 years from when I was you know, five years old until now. Um, and, and while that's not a huge amount of life perspective granted, um, you know, I, the anytime feedback tool, it seems like a good idea if it's in the hands of a bunch of mature, responsible people. Uh, because while you should be able to take criticism, being the one levying forth criticism, you also shouldn't be a douche. Do you know what I mean? Like there, right. there needs to be a very clear delineation between criticizing work performance in a way that's uplifting and, and is truly uh, criticizing rather than just demeaning um, and, and criticizing somebody in a way that's just personal and stupid and trite and trivial, uh, much in the same way that, you know, like America, the American prison system, uh, these places used to be called penitentiaries, uh, from the word penitent, you know, they were meant to help reform you and recoup you as a person. They, the, the, the prisons didn't view you as these, you know, mentally deranged, inherently damaged people, but rather people that they were trying to help get better again. Um, and so 
I don't know. I look at it as the same kind of situation where it's just it's a good idea in principle, but it's in the hands of people who probably are not using it correctly, and then it's just compounded by the fact that you by the fact that you have a vast majority of people who probably can't really take criticism all that well. And criticism is very difficult to take. I mean, I'm not I'm not uh, dumping on that at all. Criticism is great. But it's very hard to take it when you're the one who's being criticized. Um, yeah, and actually, um, quick side note, in our chat right now, Chris, Chris G, said he worked at Amazon as a blue-collar collar worker and was bullied by his manager, which made him not want to work there any longer. And, you know, that could be a big part of the problem, just managers that think they have all the power in the world. I have unfortunately worked, not at my current job, I don't believe, but when I worked for Apple a while ago, I had a few managers that really, the the position got to their head. They started right. off as amazing people that I absolutely loved and adored. And as time went on, and as they started become, to become a bigger manager, maybe a senior manager, they started to bully people because they could. And it just... That power kind of gets to your head, right? Well, and it's and maybe that, it's it's just it's that lack of responsibility, that lack of maturity. Do you know what I mean? The great a great boss is not a great boss, uh, or I'm sorry, a great boss shouldn't be a great boss, but a great leader. Do you know what I mean? Like you right. lead your team, you don't bully your team, you don't demean your team. So it's that you know it's the same kind of idea where you have you know groups of people who don't. Who aren't using the tools, and and in the case of you know a boss, somebody who's not using the power that they've been given correctly, and it and everybody suffers. But yeah, so interesting. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if there's a follow up story from Amazon. Um, these kind of things. It always seems like there's some investigative reporter somewhere that kind of delves into it and really you know gets it gets more of an inside scoop. Um, but yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, anyway, moving on. There was kind of a cool uh, post. Not really not even really an article, but a, a, more of a story uh, that was trending up Reddit uh, earlier today, actually. I saw uh, this guy built this overhead computer control panel module. It's like totally analog, switches, dials, buttons, everything like that. Really cool. I mean, it cut it out of metal. He's got this whole photo montage showing how he you know, sketched it out. He built like a, a, a prototype of it. Then he actually built it out of metal with the buttons, with the switches, with the wiring. He wired all the stuff. I mean, he's got these USB hubs on the inside of this panel uh, with all these USB devices running into it that he can connect to his computer. Um, you must have to have a, a bit of a power supply going in there to help run all those different devices, I would imagine. Um, he, it's all backlit with LED, multicolored LEDs, some blue, orange, red, all kinds of stuff. And it does, it, like, it does function as a bit of a control panel for his computer. He's got like an iTunes controller up there. Um, he's got all kinds of different controllers, and some of the stuff is just purely, you know, their skeuomorphic design, if you will. Um, and they're just buttons that are there because you know you're building a freaking control panel that's going to hang above your computer the one thing um that i actually noted it here in my notes uh it looks pretty incredibly heavy and he mentioned that he had to borrow like a essentially a winch from his dad to bring it up and mount it to the wall slash ceiling i don't uh, I don't know how I would feel about that mass of metal dangling over my technology 24 <laughs> hours a day, seven days a week. Not that it diminishes the coolness factor because it's super cool and it looks super cool. But I uh, I don't know how I would feel about it hanging out there uh, above my computer and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm looking at this now and actually as I'm considering buying a PC, I kind of want to do this, but I, I would have absolutely no idea 
how to do this. I did, if you're watching this on YouTube, I did just link it in the chat so you can check this thing out. And this guy goes over this Imgur page or yeah. Imgur or Im, I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Me neither. Um, Imgur. Imgur, maybe. He basically outlines every single step he took and you can kind of see this chassis or whatever this thing, the case, is basically solid metal or at least a little bit solid metal. The only thing I don't like about the final design is you can still see the wiring. I would have loved if he drilled holes behind this thing into his wall so it's kind of clean and fresh, right. but you know that's a very small thing to nitpick about. But it's absolutely gorgeous, and I don't know if it's something that I would try to build because I would have no idea how to, but it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I I don't know. I probably wouldn't try to build it. I, I feel like I could build the box, but when it came to all the wiring and everything, I mean, I, I, I think either of us, anyone could eventually figure it out, but it's just, it would be quite the, uh, quite the time investment. Um, so I think so moving on from that, just kind of like a cool thing that I noticed that I figured we should talk about another pretty cool thing, which was another Reddit story was a, a chat roulette first person shooter game. Um, you, absolutely have to check this out uh there's a youtube video that this uh this team of people over at a, a company or a, a group called realm pictures put together where they have this guy outfitted with what looks like a motorcycle helmet and he's got a gopro on the front of it uh, there's a full behind the scenes video how they did all this stuff by the way uh and they're they're broadcasting what comes through his gopro through this computer system and that's going out onto chat roulette they have this guy narrating over his voice and he's moving around and you know you can you can tell him like hey go pick up this object a crowbar and there's like a zombie on the ground you gotta like beat him to death and go outside and the guns laying around you can pick up and all these other zombies start coming toward him and attacking him uh and and it's totally interactive and and the people on chat roulette who are watching have to tell him what to do you know what i mean and they say you know type type the word start to begin you know type the word like at one point a zombie jumps on him and knocks him over and he's laying on the ground you know his guns knocked out of his hand and the thing comes up on the screen that says press the letter q press the letter q and they hit the letter q and you know he like throws the guy off of him um really a cool clever idea um and i i've never done the chat roulette thing before i've been tempted um but i've never had like the moxie to put myself into that situation uh i don't know what that says about me but it was really cool from a technological standpoint, neat to see how they stream everything and they have the narrator and a a crew of like eight people just to pull this off. But it was really cool to consider the idea where you have this guy playing this virtual reality or just reality reality game with these people on chat roulette who just very serendipitously bump into it and boom, you're all of a sudden immersed in this game. You know, I love seeing stories like this where you take this seemingly basic service and you transform it into something totally different because chat roulette has a history of being this service that pairs you up with random people and there are a lot of things that you'll bump into that you never want to see i'm sure you can use your imagination you can figure it out yep but we've seen on youtube different videos of people going to chat roulette where they sing like i think one of them was miley cyrus's the the wrecking ball song um and a bunch of other songs dressed in like this weird i mean there was this guy um what was his name i don't remember his name but he was dressed in basically like a leotard and he did the whole miley cyrus thing and <laughs> I, seeing the reactions I I is the great video. yeah i think i know which video you're i think talking yeah about. you I, probably yeah, do i don't remember his name um, but i know what you're talking about you know some people are absolutely disgusted some people are are just dying on the floor laughing but it's it's interesting to see videos like this come from these sorts of services. I, I wish I, there would be more, 
but you know yeah that's what it is absolutely pretty cool uh, and like i said definitely got to check it out um the the video will be in the blog post tutfit.com slash we slash episode 27 or i'm sure if you're on youtube already you can just search chat roulette first person shooter and i'm sure it'll come up it only had like twenty thousand views when i saw it i am i will be shocked if this video does not get some serious serious uh viewership uh at some point so a very very new video uh a company called snake river shooting has unveiled a series of ammunition that they were saying is specifically designed to shoot down drones and protect really your privacy uh this how in, does that work well i i'll tell you i it, it the, the website is dronemunition.com and it's basically just an image that they've dropped in there saying like coming soon um they're they're saying that these are 12 gauge shotgun shells 12 gauges for those of you who don't shoot it's a fairly standard shotgun it's it's going to be your your home defense shotgun it's gonna the military uses 12 gauge shotguns um anything lower than that uh, well to give you an example like a 20 gauge shotgun is your typical like turkey hunting shotgun uh, 12 gauge is like your self-defense kind of shotgun but you can also use it for shooting like sporting clays things like that and they used to have shotguns that went you know 10 gauge 8 uh, I even heard I've heard of a 4 gauge shotgun which was said to throw so many pellets in the air if you fired it up into a flock of birds you would kill half the flock so that's just to give you an idea of 12 gauge is just a bigger round. So it's a fairly big round. The shot, shotguns have a, a solid kick. You know, when they punch back into your shoulder when you shoot them. But this says that these shells will deploy a ferromagnetic ballistic payload. And I'm quoting that from the website. I have no I don't, idea what I don't means. know what ferromagnetic is, so I Googled it. And it turns out ferromagnetic is basically a fancy word for iron. But, but ferromagnetic is also... Uh, a magnet that attracts another magnet. Um, true ferromagnetics are magnets that are strong enough that you can feel them. Like uh, when you open and close your refrigerator, right? You feel that magnet pull it shut. So that, if I'm understanding it correctly, that's what it is. Now, it could be something as simple as they're just branding totally normal shotgun shells with iron, steel, lead shot in them, and they're calling it ferromagnetic ballistic payload, which would effectively knock a drone out of midair if you were to hit it but like the geek inside of me is sort of like secretly hoping that it's some kind of like magnetic dust that it shoots that can you know cause the drone to like short circuit out from the inside out and you know basically can't really cause much harm to other people um that being said, they are shotgun shells, and they say like you you can't shoot these anywhere that you can't legally you know fire a a typical shotgun firearm. Uh, this isn't just like you know something you can go around and point at your friends like oh a drone or whatever. Um, but yeah, kind of interesting. Dronemunition.com. I, again, I part of me thinks that it's just kind of like a clever marketing thing, um, but there's just it, the company's done a a perfect job of not looking professional enough about it to throw just enough of a question in there as far as is this just regular shotgun shells coming in a you know kill the drone kind of box uh, or is it actually something new but you know that's yeah I, I i'm not a big fan of shotguns and drones there's this weird we're in a weird time with drones where you know it's it's nice to see drones up in the air but at the same time i mean we've seen Drones get in the way of wildfires, or, or I guess not just the wildfires, but the peop, uh, the firefighters who are trying to put out these wild wildfires. Um, now, should we like start equipping people with these things that can knock drones out of the air? I don't think so. Um, I don't know. It's just a very strange thing. And then there's the whole, you know, does the technology actually work? Does it act like a homing missile to these drones? 
And what if you shoot it at something else that might be magnetic? Will it just like start redirecting these bullets to somewhere else? Right. How does that work? I don't know. I mean, would it? I don't, I know. don't know. What if What if you're shooting it at somebody and have like a metal plate in their, I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, don't shoot it at somebody in the first right, place. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. You know I, mean. I, I like to think of guns for self-defense like I think of the airbag in my car. Nice to have it. Never want to use it. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's a pretty a good way to look at it. But anyway. <laughs> and one thing that you probably shouldn't have used, especially in light of the recent activities <laughs> this week, good old Ashley Madison. Thank you. Thank goodness I did not have an account on Ashley Madison. I have no need for an account on Ashley Madison, but I'm sure you've heard about this story. Oh, I this have. This is our next story on our list. A few weeks ago, at, there was a group of hackers that came out and claimed that they breached Ashley Madison's database. Now, if you're not familiar with Ashley Madison, it's basically a website, and it very clearly markets itself as a website for you to meet people and have an affair with. I mean, so- sounds like there a, was a commercial an upstanding place. Yeah, very there. One of their commercials would basically, basically said, come have an affair, which whatever. Um, so this group threatened to release all of this data. I think they had th- data of 32 million Ashley Madison. Well, they were, they were members. claiming to have, it wasn't that initially they were, they sort of made these claims right. and I, I feel like Ashley Madison kind of called them on their bluff. And they and did, they got- yeah, because these, this hacker group said, basically said, we're going to release all this data unless you shut down this website. And Ashley Madison, like, yeah, whatever, you probably don't have anything. We're keeping the website up. Right. Well, lo and behold, over the last few days, this group has actually been releasing all of this data. I think there were three dumps at this point. Uh-oh. One was like 25 gigabytes. One was 10 gigabytes. Or there was a lot of data. And what's interesting is... Some of this data was actually from military and government personnel. So they had like government email addresses. First of all, why the heck are you using your government email address for something like this? I mean, aside from the fact that you shouldn't be using a service like this to begin with, but there were a lot of government personnel. I think 90% or 86% of the, the members were men. Most of them, according to the statistics, were married. Not all of them are, are married, but that's the whole point of this website, right? And one of our... One of the lovely people that we've been hearing about over the last year or so, Josh Duggar, oh, was yeah. actually one of these members. And we, we actually talked about this a little bit earlier. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, look, I mean, you know me. I'm a religious guy. I'm a conservative mm-hmm. guy. Um, honestly, I don't follow the Duggars. I have no emotional connection to them. I didn't even realize they had whatever they're t- 17, 18 and counting. I guess if you're counting, it can always be higher than that. So I don't even know what they're up to now. Um, I don't know how much. I think it's 19 kids and counting. Well, but now, now there might have a show, 19 girlfriends and counting. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, <laughs> what I know is that he went out and he was like, you know, being preachy with everybody and saying, hey, do this or don't do that or blah, 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 blah. And, you know, if you don't have your own house in order, just sit down and shut up. Like, it doesn't take energy to do that. You know what I mean? I, I, you know, I read an article earlier this week that talked about everything you say and do in the digital generation, you should just assume that it's going to be public at some point. So, and, and if you're if you have a TV show and you're even remotely high profile, whether you're a, a D or E list celebrity, just like what what are you doing? What are you thinking? How are you not covering your tracks? I saw that it tracked them like back to two homes that they own in like Arkansas and 
Texas or something. I don't even remember where it was. Um, you know, it's just like the paper trail is all over the stinking place. You know, he'd use like his grandmother's credit card or something. And it's just like, and, and, and this on the heels, he was the one who was involved with, you know, the five young girls or whatever it was, I feel like a couple months ago. Isn't it the same guy? Uh, yeah, I think it was. He was involved in some, uh, there were either rape allegations or something, I don't know, there was some story. I didn't follow it too closely because I didn't care about this guy or the show that he was on, but I believe it was the same guy that was linked to whatever was going on earlier in the yeah, year. Yeah, and so, I mean, something like this, I don't know. I mean, I know legally it doesn't substantiate anything like that, but in the court of public opinion, it sort of makes you look at him and say, you're kind of a slime ball, you know? Like, kind you're of. not tru- – <laughs> well, yeah, kind of, right. You know, you're not trustworthy. You, you know, I mean, you've got your family there. You are all about – the family and you're cheating on your wife i i like i have no we'll words we'll get into more we'll get into another story that's similar I'll, a little bit later i'll on be i'll be show. interested to see if there's any at vatican email addresses that get drudged up <laughs> well, that'd be interesting. his holiness at vatican dot rel or whatever it would be i don't know. i kind of want to like download these databases and search Scour and see if them. like any of my friends on facebook are actually <laughs> oh. on this thing i don't know if that's like actually legal to search through these hacked data probably not so i'm going to stay away from it but i kind of want to do that yeah gotcha uh the views that howard expresses on this podcast in no way represent those of me or <laughs> or my company uh i will not be doing that so, no but yeah no it's it's a crazy story and i mean this is the second time the hackers have dumped a bunch of data now and i i saw something about a class action lawsuit being filed against ashley madison uh so i don't know i mean maybe that in and of itself will destroy the company if you get enough people signing on uh, you know a, a, a breach of trust or I, I don't, i'm not even sure what what kind of um lawsuit or civil lawsuit you could file but you know when you're dealing with the scum of the earth you're gonna be i I really shouldn't say scum of the earth and here's why every time something like this happens i honestly there's a part of me that that is reviled by it and this goes for murder this goes for even like pedophilia and stuff like that man i'm digging myself a hole right now but uh, (laughs) anytime you know whether it's like petty theft or like the worst of the worst crime like I know that I'm capable of it, like in 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 very specific circumstances. Like right now, I would tell you, there's no way, there's no freaking way that I would ever kill somebody. There's just no way. I I, I could. I mean, could Howard? Could you ever envision yourself going and killing somebody? Deliberately, right. That's what no, I'm saying. But right. If my life was in danger. Sure, but deliberately, right. no, not a, I, I, not a right. So I can sit here and say that, and I can turn and look at somebody else who's done that and be like, "You are this, you're that," and and they probably properly are. But at the end of the day, I also turn back to myself and go like, man, you better like keep yourself on the up and up because, you know, them today, it could be you tomorrow. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I, 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 there's a lot of these people, you know, I mean, the guy that cheats on his wife, if you had asked him 10 years ago when they had just gotten married, would you ever cheat on your wife? I would bet you that 95% of those men would say, there's no way I'm cheating on my wife. Yet here we are 10 years later, the relationship is stagnated, whatever has happened, and here they are cheating on their wife. Dude, and now I'm not saying Probably, that in 10 years, look for me a, to be... It brings up a whole other conversation because it's certainly not right. Right. Oh, no, but, no, you know, no. I'm not. I'm I've not all... justifying it at all. No, I know that. I know. But I've always believed that if you get to that point where you're even considering cheating, obviously there's something wrong in your relationship. And that's the time where you you need to figure out what's wrong, how to fix it. And if it's not fixable, break things off. Because 
even though you think you're you're smarter than everyone else, things like this, like this whole Ashley Madison thing, this stuff happens. People will always find out. It's better to just kind of break things off or at least try to fix them first than to hide, cheat, and kind of try to get away with it and then have people find out later because these people, are, their lives are going to be ruined because of all this stuff that's come out. Um, they have families, they have spouses and all that stuff. It's just going to be a mess and, for a lot of And don't you think, I mean, especially in today's world, um, and maybe maybe this is a peculiarly American and probably Canadian thing because Canadians are super nice people. Um, if you screw up, like just come out and admit it because uh, virtually everybody will actually forgive you. It's when you try to cover it up and lie about it. That's when people are just like, you know what? I got I got no time for you. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, just uh, there, there's so many situations in the news that you could drudge up uh, where somebody tried to cover it up and it makes the situation 100 times worse. Uh, and then Ashley Madison gets hacked and everyone knows your everyone knows your business. So anyway, moving on from that, it's just from a technical standpoint, I guess, when when will security ever be good enough to prevent things like this from happening? Um, you know, I mean, uh, of course, like we can sit here and say, oh, I don't care. It's Ashley Madison. Um, but, you know, when it's Facebook that gets hacked and somebody gets all your information and then, you know, Howard Pinsky out in Seattle is driving around racking up bills on credit cards and then your credit, <laughs> your credit is being destroyed. All of a sudden it becomes an issue that 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 is brought home, so to speak. Uh, but anyway, talking about situations out of control. I don't know if you saw the story. I heard about this story on the radio, and I, I didn't know what it was. A a tiger got loose in downtown Detroit uh, two or three days ago. It was, I think it was August 17th, uh, so it would have been back on Monday. A tiger, orange and black striped <laughs> cat, got loose in downtown Detroit. The first thing I thought was, it's in Detroit. Detroit. You said Detroit, Detroit yes, right? Yes, Detroit, Michigan. Detroit, okay. <laughs> the first thing I thought was maybe it escaped from the zoo. I don't know what the condition of the zoo is like in Detroit. Detroit gets a really bad rap. I'm sure it's a, a, a nice city in certain ways. Like most cities, there's a lot of blight. It, ha- it is a city, granted, that has been savaged uh, by the economy, and the economic depression is horrendous, and the city is just plummeting as far as population is considered. Um I would also say it's ironic their baseball team is called the Tigers. Um, but the, so a tiger got loose in downtown Detroit in the the Packard plant, uh, which is a big abandoned warehouse or not really a warehouse more or less, but a manufacturing plant uh, that that they rent out for all kinds of different events and photographers and things like that. I actually know a photographer who went out there a couple of years ago and shot around and said you know, super creepy and just drug paraphernalia all over the place and it's not necessarily a place you want to go into at night and just all of this different stuff. Well, it turns out a British photographer, David Yarrow, uh, had rented the place for two days and unbeknownst to the people he was renting it from, brought in not only a tiger, but two wolves and a bobcat as well for some photo. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Where I, do you get tigers, wolves, and I don't bobcats? know. I, I don't know. I, I Maybe one of the drug kingpins in Detroit had it and decided it was, you know, this, this tiger's too much work. Take it down to the Packer plant and let it go. I don't know. I don't know where it came from. Um, but... It, it, the story is even more bizarre because the people he was renting from didn't know this was going on, and 
the the tiger somehow got loose and lodged itself in a stairwell and it was sitting on essentially a, right. like a landing between two flights of steps so there's virtually no way to get it so the, one of the photographic assistants is standing there has their cell phone camera and starts videotaping you can see the tiger sitting there and actually it kind of looks scared because it probably has you know no stinking idea what's going on and then someone i don't know if it's the photographer or one of the other assistants grabs an electric weed whacker fires it up and decides to run down the steps at the tiger like gunning the thing and great the tiger doesn't even move you know just kind of looks at him like yeah weed whacker really <laughs> you know i'm a tiger um and as he gets closer just pulls at the weed whacker and like lets out what i can only describe as a scare you to death wet your pants kind of like tigerish growl it's like a roar and it's that very guttural throaty when you hear it you know exactly what it is and the guy goes right back up the steps with the weed whacker and away from the tiger and they're trying to like distract they had like this big blue tarp out at one point and they're like flapping i don't know what they were doing but eventually they think they, they they got it back into a cage without harm done to any people or the tiger i'm assuming they had some kind of tranquilizer darts that's what i read in the couple stories that i had looked at but wow and this coming from me, I'm a guy who's all about do what you got to do to get the great shot. But mm-hmm. you can't let a tiger go. I mean, it goes without saying, but you can't let the tiger – like let a wolf escape before you let the tiger escape, but, right? I mean let the bobcat go. It's, it's manageable kind of. The tiger, if it gets a hold of you, you're dead. And then for the, for the sake of the tiger, they're going to come and find and kill the tiger too, by the way. You know what I mean? So so everyone's going to end up dead uh, in this case. You don't let the tiger get loose. I wouldn't even like use a tiger to begin with. I don't know where this guy got tigers and bobcats and whatever else he might have. But, I mean, where did, where did he get this? Did they go to the zoo and pick up a tiger or did he get it shipped from somewhere? How does that, how does that even work? I I don't know. Well, I maybe brought it over from the UK or something. I know. Where... that was like, I don't know. <laughs> but... Nope. Just actually on that topic, you mentioned doing it or doing what you have to do for the uh, for the photo. What are some examples of things that you have done that you probably shouldn't have done to get a photo? Uh, there's been a lot. I mean, there's been a lot of things. I I mean, just to give an example, I was I was doing a shoot for Barclays, uh, the bank. Uh, they have a big building. They they bought out this bank in northern Delaware, about an hour about an hour from where I am. Um, and I was down there. Obviously, it's a huge company, right? I believe they run the Barclays Premier League over in the UK. Um, great company to work for, but a ton of security. You know, it's it's you know I, I don't know big offices. It's not a bank branch. This is one of their big office buildings, and they have all these glass turnstiles you have to go through when you go in the building. And I was in there yesterday morning, and you're supposed to clear security and everything. And I just walk through and set off all these alarms. And the, like the security lady comes running over, she's like, "Sir, what are you doing? You can't be here." I said, "Look, I mean, to be honest with you, it's not it, like doesn't even get the adrenaline going. I've done far more dangerous things. You know, I when I was shooting the Philly's ugly project, I was working on, uh, got a little bit too close to the airport, didn't realize that. You know, next thing I know, a dozen squad cars are there, almost arrested. You know, essentially strip searching me on the edge of the airport. Um, I snuck into a, a, an active crime zone where they were defusing a bomb, not realizing." what was going on uh, only to realize it was me and the guy in like the big bulky bomb suit were the only ones within 50 feet of this thing that was the bomb uh, without realizing it and I'm laying there next to you know a a, a big like petroleum tank Um, so you know stuff like that Um, 
you chalk it up to, you know, cool stories you can tell because I made it out alive. Um, but man, I don't know about Tiger. I, I've, I'd have a difficult time swimming with sharks to get great photos, let alone taking a tiger out like of my own accord. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's a part of me that feels like any of that stuff that I've done, I can like walk in and walk out. I can, you can't talk your way out of a confrontation with a tiger. Um, I guess as a photographer that you can shoot photos of it as it's coming toward you and hope that, you know, one of your last photos is one of your best or something. But that, if we had a segment called Photographers Gone Wild, uh, that would definitely uh, – that would be a Photographers Gone Wild right there. Yeah, if it's not behind a cage or at least behind something that it can't jump over, not a chance that I'm getting anywhere near that thing. Yeah. So uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, another photography story that I found pretty interesting, uh, a story I saw earlier this week, a photographer set up – uh, 30 strobes, 30 like big flash heads you connect to batteries out in this field to photograph airplanes flying by. And if you're thinking, how low does an airplane have to fly that you can light it from the ground with a strobe? The answer is pretty stinking close to the ground. Uh, you got to check the story out. It's over on, well, Petapixel had an article about it and F-Stoppers had an article about it both. Um, photographer Dan Voltek. I'm assuming his name, it looks like a Dutch slash Nordic name. Uh, he photographed this extreme pilot, Martin Sanka, uh, using a setup of 30 Fome S600DC strobe flashes. Um, they've got photos of this, and you gotta, it's crazy. There's so many light stands, and this pilot is flying this plane so close to the ground. Uh, between, he basically puts some of the strobe heads up on this crane, uh, elevated platformy looking thing kind of like a construction lift, I guess. And the rest, I mean, some of the lights are just straight up a light stand on the ground, stuck up as high as it can go with like the flash kind of pointed on this upward angle. Uh, the photos are pretty cool though. They're actually pretty neat. I feel like they need a little bit of refinement, but I also, again, feel like I can't really complain about it because you're you're flying, you know, you're, you're flying these planes within you know, 30 feet of the ground, probably less than that actually. And you're trying to get these great photos as the planes are flying through. Uh, pretty cool project, and I'm assuming, or I would love to see if this sort of pushes forward uh, some kind of way to develop a technique to photograph these faster-moving objects with um, with strobes. A lot of times you see fast-moving cars are essentially photographed with natural light, and then a ton of post-production is done to make them look all shiny and pretty and add the extra catch lights and, and all of that. Uh, but yeah, 30 strobes to photograph an airplane as it as it shot through frame, pretty uh, pretty stinking impressive. Pretty pretty cool. The photos are are definitely beautiful. Um, but for someone like me who's not big into photography and doesn't really know understand all the equipment, what are the advantages of using I guess one strobe or even 30 strobes? Well, for something like this, um, you would have the strobes because you're probably doing what's called a high speed sync. And high-speed sync, typically when you're shooting with flash, you can your camera can only go up to like, I don't know, one two-fiftieth of a second, depending on the transmitter you have on your camera and the type of strobe you're using. High-speed sync allows you to go up to maybe, you know, one five-thousandth of a second. But when you do that, the flash can only emit, you know, a sixteenth of the power. Or so, again, it all depends on the flash head you're using. Some can pump out more power at the faster, uh, that, that faster, you know, one fifty-seven hundredth of a second or whatever it is. Um, and some can can only do uh, so much. So he's probably working with 
trying to overpower all the ambient light. So you would have needed a number of strobes just to overpower the light that was already there because you can see the photos are, they're not super dark, but they almost look they were like they were photographed in like the evening as it was heading into nighttime. Um, but I think that's a product of just your camera is at such a high uh, shutter speed and you're, basically everything is being darkened so much. Uh, that you're trying to pump out enough light in that, you know, one five thousandth of, five thousandth of a second. That's really what it is. It's just your shutter is so fast that you need to have enough light that can pump out uh, so you can light the airplane from all sides. But also the fact that the airplane's going to be, you know, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 feet maybe away from the actual lights. So you just need enough light to actually get to the airplane and light it up as well. So, you know... It, Pretty cool. I mean, really neat stuff, and you got to sync thirty flash heads with your uh, with your camera and everything like that. So Dan Voltech, Voltcheck, however you pronounce it, uh, kudos to you because that is that's pretty impressive stuff. It's very cool stuff and incredibly high tech. And actually, going a little bit backwards from very high tech stuff, I don't know if a lot of you guys remember the days of VHS. It's those. I don't even know how to describe it. Basically, before CDs came out, you had to rewind them. You know, be kind, rewind. They, mm. they were rented at Blockbuster. There's this app that was just released. I think, believe it was, it was this week, right? It was, this app was sure, released. Sure, why not? Let's say it's it was called, released this week. Sure. Let's let's assume it's released this week or yesterday. Um, it's called VHS Camcorder. And it allows you in real time to record videos on your iPhone that look like VHS videos, those super old time videos with the scan lines and the the date at the bottom. Oh, and it's and I didn't think the, the the footage is a dead ringer for what you would expect. Oh yeah, I didn't think much of it, but I took a look at the video or some of the videos that were made using this, and I had to download it. It's a four dollar app, so. I probably just wasted four dollars, but I don't know if you can see this. You probably can't see this. Well, and if you're li- if you're if you're well, listening to the podcast, you certainly can't see it. <laughs> you certainly can't see it. But this app allows you to record VHS quality videos, which isn't very good. But the the quality of the VHS video is amazing. It actually looks like it's. I can't even describe it. It actually looks like VHS videos from way back in the day. And you can add scan lines. You can make it black and white. You can add the date and time at the bottom. And it legitimately looks like I just recorded a VHS video. I'll, I'll try and record a few. I'll put them up on Twitter and Instagram and all the places that I'm on. And it's actually quite amazing. I can't. I mean, there's. It's a stupid app. But it's so I feel cool. like you would – well, first of all, when you say way back when VHS was popular, you really date <laughs> and, and make some of us feel old and I'm sure some of the folks that are listening. Um, but anyway, it, it seems like the kind of app you would use a few times. Definitely worth the four bucks. I mean just imagine if you're if you, you know, you're doing a scene in like a little video you're shooting or you, know, you want to shoot a, an intro or outro for a segment of a, sh- a YouTube show or something that you have or everyone's doing this vlogging or everybody's doing this vlog everybody these days doing some kind of vlogging you know if you're gonna i don't know some kind of segment with something like that i feel like it's pretty cool and i mean the neat thing about it and again you gotta check the app out i'll put example videos up over at tutvid.com slash we slash episode 27 if you've ever seen that american tv show america's funniest home videos this is that it's that style footage and they've gotten it so well in the app it's not at least from what I've seen, and I haven't used the app, um, I haven't spent the $4 on it, 
I am considering spending the four bucks on it though. I'm not gonna lie. You should. I, do I it. think I. I think write it off. I think as a I might. Expense. Well, because and I think I could like I'll do like an intro or something for one of my my tutorial things. You know what I mean? Like I I really I, sure I probably will now that I've thought about that. Um, but it's to. it's an effect done really really well. A lot of times with these apps, it's like cheesy chintzy effects. Do you know what I mean? But this is done well. Yeah. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, check it out. VHS camcorder. Available in the iTunes store. But did you see anything about it being available on the Android? I didn't see anything about that. I didn't see that. Uh, but no. I'll, I'll have to check. But I, that. I do know that there there's a lot of different apps that try to mimic not only VHS but also like ancient effect. Well, ancient effects, but like old old style. I don't even know what you call them. Black and white footage. And some of them, like you mentioned, are very cheesy. But this one really nails it. It's it's incredible. You have to check it out. I actually, in, if you're watching on YouTube now, I put a link. To the Petapixel article, and at the bottom of that article, you can watch one of the sample videos. You would swear it was shot directly on a camcorder in like nineteen. Yeah, like one of those old Super Eight cameras or something. But yeah, very cool. So let's talk about. There was this. I actually saw. So I follow on Twitter one of the streams that I follow. Is anytime somebody mentions Photoshop, I, I it comes through on one of the one of sort of the streams that I'm following. Um, and I've seen this this next article uh, that we're going to talk about here. This woman photoshopped by 30 different countries. Essentially, a photo of a woman. They wanted to see how people perceive beauty in different parts of the world. Uh, so they sent it out. 30 different retouchers, 30 different countries said, hey, retouch this photo. Uh, what do you think about it, Howard? I'll give you my thoughts after after I hear what you have to say. I'm very conflicted. <laughs> we There was a very similar article last yep. year at the beginning of this year, something like that, that went crazy viral where they sent out, was it like 20 or... I think it was, yeah, 20, 25. number of yeah, photos. it was. Yeah, to edit a photo. And it was just terrible. These photos looked like they were edited by 18-year-olds or 15-year-olds who just got their hands on Photoshop or MS Paint. Yeah. And they just didn't reflect what you would expect. And this is the exact same thing. So like you mentioned, this photo of a woman was sent around to editors, and I'm using air quotes, in 30 different countries, from Canada to Malaysia to United States to China. You, you know the, the Canadian countries. edit was the one where she had the hockey stick, right? I bet she did. I don't remember. <laughs> but if she didn't, they did a poor job. Exactly. Um, and And again, it just looks like it was edited by 15-year-olds or 18-year-olds who just got their hands on Photoshop. And th the concept of this article was to show how 30 different countries perceive beauty. Mm -hmm. And I totally, I'm totally fine with the concept of it. But if you're going to do that, at least get this photo in the hands of someone who edits professionally. Because even if you do, there's no way that 30 different editors in 30 different countries are going to arrive at the same result. So it's just... They could have, I mean, maybe they didn't want to pay a professional editor to do these jobs. Well, and that's I don't a know part of the issue that I have with these things is the edits look so bad. Oh, they're terrible. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I, I really don't have much to say. Go check out the article. It'll be on Nathaniel's blog post. And in a second, I will link it in the YouTube chat. And just scroll through some of these photos. And, I mean, it doesn't... First of all, it doesn't really show what how beauty is perceived in these countries. Sure, some of them made the woman very skinny. Some of them made them a little bit bigger. Some put a little bit too much makeup. But it just looks... Hey, bad. depending on the American, you get one guy I want the big girl, one guy I want a girl that looks like she's got you know nothing on the bones. So I, 
Yeah, I don't know. Exactly, I mean, I don't have yeah. much to add to what you said other than just like if you're gonna like, where's the good Photoshop? You know what I mean? It's just it's it's thirty different examples of bad Photoshop. I want some good Photoshop. So anyway, let's move on from that. Uh, actually, well, speaking of beauty, let's talk about some 4K. I saw an article. I did not get to mm. read the article, so I don't know what the conclusion of the article is. I should go check it out after we finish recording. But just seeing the headline of the article, I just made a note that we should just at least touch on it in the podcast. Is shooting 4K resolution worth it for web video? So you're just you have your vlog, let's say, or uh, you and I are shooting tutorials, or we're shooting, you know, technology review, whatever. Is it worth it um, to invest in a 4K camera? I guess first and foremost. But even beyond that, is it worth it to invest in the data infrastructure you need to store 4K footage? Is it worth it to make sure you have a computer that's big enough, bad enough, and fast enough to edit and work with and color grade 4K uh, footage? I'll let you give me an answer, Howard. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, um, and then I'll let you know what I think. Yes. <laughs> That's my answer. Um, I mean, it's always good to be one step ahead of the game. I agree. Whether Even if you're making vlogs on YouTube, I mean, for someone like me, a lot of my the views I get on a daily basis are on my older videos. And some of them, unfortunately, were like, 240p or whatever the resolution was way right. back in the day and even if like less than one percent of people are viewing my tutorials in 4k at this very moment let's fast forward five years from now almost 80 percent will be viewing my tutorials in 4k and some of them may want to learn something that i taught last week and if they can go back and see that video in 4k on their beautiful 70 inch 4k display then that that's a plus for me because they're going to watch that video. I'm going to get that revenue. And someone told me in the chat, to just F shut the F up, but okay. Um, well then pass I, it back I, over I do to me think and let me worth talk. It. <laughs> I do think it's worth it. And, um, I think, I mean, you don't really have to worry about the infrastructure to store these videos because you're putting them on YouTube or you're putting them on Vimeo who's doing it for mm. you. So you don't have to worry too much about that. And sure. 4k cameras are quite expensive nowadays, um, but they, they're certainly getting cheaper. I mean, the camera I just bought was the Lumix LX100. Yeah. It was, what, $700, which really yeah, isn't too right. bad. So if you have the budget, I would say... Well, yeah, when you it. compare that with the Canon C300 Mark II, which is $16,999, and, oh, by the way, only shoots using CFast cards, which are about $900 a piece for the for the compact flash card that you slide into it. Yeah, the Lumix is not a bad price at all. I, I totally agree with you, man. I mean, I look back at some of my videos. I remember when YouTube first had the 720p HD option. It was like the HD button that appeared in the little play bar. Um, and I just thought, oh, come on, like, whatever. I can keep doing it 480. I got this sweet 4.3 resolution that I record at. <laughs> you know what I mean? Gotta love the 4.3. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I definitely, yes. Yes, on the 4K. Uh, most people, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna view it like in in terms of YouTube, probably like that 1440 resolution option uh, on the higher end is what most people are gonna see. And I'm not just saying that because I'm working with a 4K monitor uh, or or have a computer that can handle. It. I'm saying it because think about how frustrating it is when you click on a YouTube video and it only goes to 360p. You, you almost feel like I can't even stay and watch this. Ugh. And if I'm serious about creating content, I want content that's gonna be great today and five years down the road. 
I want people to come back and see my tutorials or video blogs or uh, little editorial pieces or tech reviews, whatever it is that I'm doing. I would love people to be able to come back five years from now and still be able to watch this stuff and for it to feel relevant. If you're watching a video that was shot with you know, uh, one of the original iPhones and the video is just choppy and crappy, you, 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 know, you feel like you're gathering information that's from the Stone Age, quite frankly. Even though you're not, in all likelihood, it feels that way. I want people to feel like they have a fully immersive, fully modern, up-to-date, cutting-edge experience. Yeah, so shoot in 8K. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, I th- it looks like we both agree that if you can shoot in 4K or even record tutorials in 4K, mm-hmm. definitely do it. Of course, don't break the budget because it'll take a while for everyone to kind of jump on the 4K hype train, but it'll get there. So if w- whenever you can make that switch, I would say Yeah, and a simple it. like the the simple Lumix camera like you have can still shoot great footage. Invest the extra money you have in lighting. Uh you know, some good LED mm-hmm. panels. You actually just told me you just got some new LED panels. Um do that kind of stuff because those LED panels are still going to be very useful when you upgrade to like a legit, you know, Sony FS7 kind of camera uh or or yeah, like a C300 Mark II, whatever. Um and actually I'm seeing here in the chat somebody's talking about the A7R2. I was just talking to a buddy of mine oh, over, over the over this past weekend in Philadelphia. We have something called the Geek Awards, which is a red carpet black tie event, all for geeks, scientists. Uh, you know, it's like app of the year, featured geek film of the year, independent game of the year, visual artist of the year, all this different thing, all, all these different things like that, where these people are recognized for the things they're doing in and around Philadelphia when it comes to just general geeky stuff. Uh, and a buddy of mine who was shooting that, we were talking about the A7R2, uh, and it turns out the A7R2 has just gotten markedly better at focusing with Canon lenses. Because Howard, I know we I had talked that. about using. Uh, basically just get the a7r2 and get the adapter and shoot with your current canon lenses the the roster of current canon lenses that you have uh, and it looks like that's going to be a very real real thing and something that's going to be a legitimate solution um, moving forward so yeah i mean i don't know it it uh Looks like uh, the, the A7R2 yeah. looks amazing. I, I like. I'm almost speechless when I start talking about it because my natural mode is like find something to criticize. Um, but I don't know. You know, I don't really know what there is to criticize. Uh, you know, with regard to the A7R2. So that's that. Yeah, and and I've we've spoken about the A7R2 and my hatred for Canon in the past. Again, I'm a 10 year Canon user, maybe more than that. And I'm I can almost guarantee you the next camera that I'm going to get will be the a7r2 and one of the things that I really wanted to know is I knew that I could use my Canon lenses on the a7r2 but I didn't know how well they would perform and I watched a few reviews read a few articles and it seems like they perform incredible so that's exciting so look look out for an a7r2 overview or review at some point probably before the end of the year I agree Now, the last thing, the last news article thing on our list is actually something I'm also hoping happens by the end of the year. There's been a lot of hints of an iPad Pro, I guess just an iPad Pro, which is hopefully an iPad that runs OS X, or at least some sort of a hybrid between iOS or OS X. It's something that I've been wanting for a while, so I can take my work on the go, which right now I really can't with the current iPad. I have a laptop, but it's very big. It's very bulky. 
I would just love for something I can grab, throw in my man purse or whatever it might be, and just kind of doodle on the go or use Photoshop on the go on a tablet type device. And now we're seeing that in the beta, in the iOS 9 beta, we're seeing hints that like an iPad-like device may actually come out. It has apparently a 2732 by 2048 resolution, which is pretty decent. I believe that's Retina display. And of course, this doesn't 100% confirm the existence of a device like this because Apple sometimes puts resolution support in iOS um, betas just so they can test devices internally. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on an iPad Pro? Well, I mean, we've we've kind of talked about it before, and one of the things that we both have kind of admired about the Microsoft Surface Pro 3, or whatever they're up to now, is the fact that you get a legitimate, fully functioning computer as well as a mobile device. Um, it's the closest thing to that really good mix of laptop-tablet hybrid. The iPad is essentially a glorified iPhone. I think we all know that. It's an iPhone with a larger screen. Sure, there's a few other things in there, maybe a little bit more power, whatever. It's essentially a giant iPad uh, that doesn't really make phone calls. I mean, you can FaceTime and things like that. I get it. but um, So I I, want to see an iPad that is like a computer in the palm of my hand. And if that's the iPad Pro, that would be great. I want to be able to take that... 36 megapixel image onto my computer, my desktop, and work on it with Photoshop. I want to be able to throw it onto the laptop and work on it in Photoshop. And I want to be able to drop it in Dropbox or onto my server and take it into the iPad Pro on a fully functioning flagship, the Photoshop application, not Photoshop Touch, not that truncated 16 layer, 1600 pixel bogus bastardized you know version of photoshop that they had photoshop touch that you still have to pay ten dollars for ridiculous um i want to see that you know what i mean i want to see that on an ipad you can do that with the surface pro and i would be shocked if apple doesn't have something similar with this ipad they've got to have an ipad pro i would be I would be blown away if they don't. I don't know when they're going to announce it, but I, I feel like it's got to be old, just a matter of time before the iPad Pro comes out. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, how do I feel about it? I feel strongly about it, but I'm, I'm excited about it. You know, it's it's a, it's going to be a, a $1,400 to $1,700 tablet probably, um, but it'll be kind of the replacement for the Mac Air. Um, not that they'll stop selling a MacBook Air, Um but it'll it'll I, th- I feel like it'll be something that'll be you know directly like right there in that price maybe like a thousand bucks to whatever seventeen ninety nine or something depending on the specs you get, um, and it'll be like the the flattened out version of the MacBook Air or something like that, uh, or MacBook Air with you know force touch touchscreen display that also spins and flips and swivels and lays flat uh, in whatever beautiful way that Apple can make that work. Um, you know, just don't make it look like one of those bizarre old, remember those old Toshiba laptops that had like the, the pivot point mm. right in the middle and they just always look so wonky and weird. But no, I, I think it's a, I think it's the next natural step forward. 
I think it's an exciting step for Apple. I mean, Microsoft's had it now for what a year and a half, the Surface Pro, and they've been pumping it for that long. Um, and they've, I mean, they had for the longest time those ads directly targeting Apple, like saying, "Oh, the iPad can't do this, but the Surface Pro can do this and this, um, and all of that." Uh, so yeah, it would be super cool to see the iPad Pro and to see what it can do and to see how really useful it can be. Um, so I feel, I feel I feel good about it. I feel strong about it. I, I want to yeah. see it, though. I want to see it. With the current state of Apple, I don't trust Apple anymore. You used to just know, like, it's going to be a solid keynote. It's going to be a killer of a great time. There's going to be three really cool things. There's going to be at least one mind-blowing thing. You know, these were all things that you would take for granted um, with Apple, and you just don't have that anymore. You know, I mean, look at Apple Music. You see these articles on retention rates? They say that 46% of free Apple users are not using it, and Apple's response was it's not 46%, it's more like 26%. That's still uh, that's still terrible, though. Even if 26% is, is the correct, for a free service that's baked into iTunes, which is on every Mac, which is on most PCs because everyone and their mother has an iPhone, that's horrific. It is, and, and honestly, Apple really, at least from the perspective of someone who has used Apple Music, has at least given it a shot, Apple really didn't bring anything to the table that Spotify or Pandora has in their service and has, has had in their service. Sure, like we spoke about last week, they have the whole sharing thing where artists can share behind-the-scenes stuff, but it's not enough to justify an, either an additional $9 a month or to switch from another service you've been using and you're used to for the past few years. Right. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with Spotify um, and Apple yep. Music because, I mean, there's nothing that I've heard or seen about it that would make me even... I, I mean, like we've talked about before, the iTunes interface is enough to keep me away from Apple Music. I mean, it all... It's I mean, terrible. it stands and falls with that. Apple Music could be the most amazing thing in the world, but until you do something about iTunes and simplify it, eh, you know, if I wanted to play an accordion, I would, you know, pick up the instrument. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't need that in my my primary musical application. Uh, when, what, you know, Pandora, Pandora.com, you type it in and music starts playing. Do you know what I mean? Spotify, you click. It's yeah. literally two clicks with Spotify, three clicks if you want to find a playlist, and you you you're listening to music. Um, Apple Music, I haven't used it, so I don't even know, but I can only imagine how many menus upon menus upon menus uh, that they've put in there. So that about wraps up the weekly news. We have to get to our winners and losers of the week. And this week, I ask you the quick six questions, Howard. Um, and I'm hoping mm-hmm. for some good, insightful, provocative answers. So let's let's get started with the quick Ooh. six. We'll have to figure out at some point doing a little it. bit of music bumpers as we go into like the new segments of the show. Like the oh, the quick six, da, 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 or whatever. I don't know. Um, Just use that. That's yeah, perfect. Right. Um, all right. So quick six, and for those of you that maybe are listening slash watching for the first time, quick six works like this. I give Howard two two things. It's an either or. Tell me what. Tell me why. And we move on. This week I ask Howard six questions, and that's why we call it the quick six. Democrat or Republican, Howard? From a political standpoint, Democrat or Republican? Do I have to pick either of them? I mean, I don't like either. I would, I would lean more Democrat. Be creative if you want. I would lean, I lean more towards the Democratic side. 
I don't like either party. I think the whole political system in this country is an absolute mess. But if I had to choose one or the other, I would go Democrat. Mm, I like it. I also like that we've led off with politics because they say the three things you should talk go. about. Money, money religion, politics. <laughs> Don't talk about those three mm. things and you're safe. Uh, all right. So Democratic leaning. Gotcha. Twitch or YouTube gaming? And I understand you, you haven't used YouTube gaming yet, but where do you lean? And just, I don't know, give me an overview of what you think is better about one versus the other. It's a difficult question because, of course, YouTube gaming isn't released yet. Um, so if, if you were to ask me which would I use tonight, I would say uh, Twitch. But I'm very excited about YouTube gaming, mainly because it would allow me to use my existing audience to stream to. Like right now, we're streaming and I have, I've, well, I have 350,000 subscribers. Of course, not all of them are active and will be on YouTube at one time. But, you know, you press stream, you go live and all those people who are subscribed to you will be able to see that. Whereas Twitch, if I were to go over there, I'd have to build up an audience again. Um, but I'm sure that YouTube gaming won't have everything that Twitch will have from the beginning, but I think it'll get there. And I think my preference, if both were out right now, I would probably lean towards YouTube gaming. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Sounds good to me. I've used neither, neither one. I have watched some Twitch stuff though, which is very bizarre because I'm not at all a gamer, but mm -hmm. occasionally I'll see somebody post something. Um, like, Hey, watch me with this gaming, this or that. No, uh, sure. Uh, Photoshop or Lightroom. Uh, this is another one that depends on the situation. If I'm doing photography, uh, definitely Lightroom. If it doesn't require any sort of composition, anything above just basic editing, I'll definitely use Photoshop. So it's, it's hard to say one or the other, but yeah, that's my answer. Gotcha. If you had your choice to vacation to these two places, which would it be? The UK or France? Well, <laughs> I've actually been to both. Uh, in 2012, which, which I Which would you go back to? Oh, I'll get there. In 2012, my wife and I and one of our good friends went to London and Paris. And I absolutely loved London. It was one of those places I would move to if I can afford it. London's one of the most expensive places in the world to live beautiful city. I love the architecture. The people are nice. And then we went to Paris and, you know, I'm Canadian. I was born in Toronto. I learned French throughout, um, throughout elementary school. See vous so, play. Yeah, really. So I tried to speak French as much as I could to the people in Paris. And apparently they don't like that when you try to speak French, if you don't know French. And there was one instance we were in, we were in a McDonald's of all places I tried to order in French. The guy was not happy about it. And he took my Big Mac or the, took the drink or took something, threw it down <laughs> on the tray, and it just splashed all over us because he just That's wasn't happy. That's national pride. Yeah, that really. is understanding that if you come into my country, you better speak fluent French, <laughs> darn it. Or you, can, you, sir, can take your Canadian self and go home. It really seemed that way. So if I had to choose, it would be very much the UK. Gotcha. I, I, well, yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, skydive or bungee jump? I hate both. I don't like heights at all. If I had to choose, I would probably skydive because I've had the urge to skydive, even though I'm terrified of, and I would, I would probably never do it. I've had the urge to jump out of a plane before. Um, but then again, bungee jump is probably safer because you're restrained to something. Whereas skydiving, if the parachute doesn't open, you splat. I don't know. I would say skydiving, but neither of them. Skydiving. Cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, RPG or a first-person style game? 
I'm more of an RPG player. Um, I've played Call of Duty, Battlefield, things like that as a first person. It, it, you know, it's just a big adrenaline rush. But RPG usually has some sort of an intelligence side, side to it where you have to think and solve puzzles and things like that. I'd probably stick to RPG. Gotcha. Cool. That's it. That's our quick six of the week. I hope the French folks in our audience appreciated the fact that I stood up for them <laughs> and the British people can expect to see Howard at some point in the very near future. Hopefully. I'd love to go back. <laughs> All right. You want to start us with winners and losers? Yeah. So if you're new to the show, at the end of every single episode, we do a winners and losers of the week where Nathaniel and I, usually it's not tech related. We just kind of pick a winner and a loser of the week and we kind of discuss why we chose those choices. Now, I'm going to start with the loser of the week. This is probably not a surprise. And it is Jared Frogel. Fogel? Oh, yeah, Fogel. The Subway guy. I'm a big fan of Subway. And I'm still going to eat at Subway because this doesn't, obviously, doesn't reflect Subway's views. At least I hope it doesn't. But (laughs) here's a guy who I've sort of looked up to. He lost a ton of weight just by eating Subway. He was their spokesperson. And... A few months ago, I think his one of his ex-business partners was arrested and because of child pornography and the FBI raided Jared's house. And we all thought, you know, maybe it's just because they're just making sure that there's nothing else going on because they had a connection. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out there was stuff going on. He was arrested and he pled guilty to child pornography and paying for sex with minors. I mean, there's literally nothing I can say other than it's just disgusting what he did. And I, I I mean, I don't, there's so many jokes that can be made about this situation. Oh, I'm thinking of one right now. We've seen a lot of them, but honestly, it's not a situation you really want to be joking about, even though there are a lot of them. It's just, it's a terrible situation. And I feel bad for everyone who's been involved, his wife, his kids. I think he has kids and, obviously the victims of everyone he's taken advantage of. It's just, it's a terrible situation and that's, he's definitely my loser of the week. Yeah. That's a, that, that's a big time loser of the week. I don't know. I don't know what else to add to that. It's, it's terrible. I mean, anytime you see something like that happen, just awful. Uh, my loser of the week and not nearly as loser esque uh, as your loser of the week, but still just something where it's unsettling. Uh, Uber, the ride company, the taxi competitors, um, have recently been informed that their background checks are missing certain drivers' criminal checks. Uh, and in one case, one of the examples that was given, uh, a guy who was released on parole in 2008 after spending 26 years in prison for second-degree murder had been hired by Uber and at the time that they, I guess, terminated him, had provided 1,168 different rides for people. Uh, Uber had done a background check on him in 2014 and the background check failed to reveal the criminal history of the driver. Now, for those of you that are wondering, what is second-degree murder? How does this work in the American judicial system? Second-degree murder is you've been shown guilty of murdering somebody, but you didn't premeditate it. It was either a crime of passion where you just lashed out and killed somebody or they couldn't prove that you premeditated murdering somebody. And so it also it's, wasn't is, necessarily an accident. Like what right, exactly. Manslaughter or third-degree murder can mm-hmm. can be – or maybe manslaughter is third-degree murder. I can't remember now. 
but yeah, it, a second degree murder is not is not an accidental murder. This is somebody who killed somebody else, and this missed out on. And there's a, there's a list uh, in the, at least the one particular article that I uh, that I saw um, a, a list of a variety of people who had done things. Um, and again, I'm all for people getting a second chance and everything, but sheepers, a guy who's been to jail for second degree murder, and you're putting him in a car with you know it could be your sister or your mother or your grandfather. Um, I think I would rather have somebody else driving my car. Um, yeah, I would just rather have somebody else driving the car that's taking me from point A to point B. Yeah, Uber. I love Uber. We took when I was whenever I visit LA for work, we take Uber everywhere, and we've always had amazing experiences. We've had some amazing Uber drivers, but they they've been hit with so many issues, insurance issues, and now this whole criminal background check issue. I mean, yeah. I don't know how this stuff works, but how do you miss something like that when you're checking someone's background? I would imagine that would be a massive red flag that just pops up in whatever system you're using. Right. You, you think that if you get pulled over by the police, you're, you're paranoid that the last time you got pulled over is going to show up in the system and they're going to really <laughs> slam you with a fine. This somehow, they're 26 years in prison. That's two and a half decades. Yeah, and I don't know how that? that how that just slips through the cracks, but whatever. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Uh, so, so I guess I'll hit you with my winner of the week, and then we'll finish up with your it. winner, Howard. My winner of the week is Leica, the camera the camera mm. manufacturer. There was a story about a Leica M9, a photographer uh, who goes by the username Saigon Matches. Uh, he was taking photos, I guess, on vacation um, in, up in in a hotel in the city of Dali. He set his camera on this balcony ledge and a gust of wind, I don't know how strong this gust of wind was, this gust of wind came through, blew it off the ledge. I believe it was three three floors, three floors oh, up no. on the balcony. And Leicas are just like 6000 bucks just to, just to get in the door with Leica. You're talking about thousands mm-hmm. and thousands of dollars. Blew it off the railing, it landed lens first, and broke Ooh. a chunk out of the stone oh. staircase of oh. the, the piece of stone it landed on around the pool. The Leica camera didn't break. The stone Ooh. it landed on, like a big old piece of like concrete, a hunk of that broke out, and the lens was like dented up, as you would expect. The camera, it was it was functional. It was good. I mean, I, 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 I don't know necessarily know that I would describe the camera as good after doing that, but incredibly impressive. And I like us are known for having sturdily built cameras and good cameras. I mean, they better be for the price that they're charging. Uh, but that was just pretty impressive. And there's a photo of the camera next to the hunk of stone that it broke. Um, and I know that if I dropped either of my Canon DSLRs, that wouldn't happen. If I dropped my iPhone, that wouldn't happen. Uh, if I dropped myself, that wouldn't happen. So uh, kudos to Leica and the the well built cameras. Get this guy in an advertisement or something because uh, yeah, it's really. a pretty pretty sweet story. That's that's incredible. Leica makes some unbelievable cameras. I just wish I had the money to afford the Leica cameras. But that's that's quite impressive. I mean, six thousand dollars better get you a damn good camera, and it certainly seems like Leica's cameras are that damn good. Um, so my winner of the with the week, we've been talking a lot about Microsoft, and we've been talked at the earlier the, uh, of the episode that I am buying. I, I would say my first PC in like ten years or so. I'm buying a gaming PC. Yes. So my winner of the week this week is actually Bill Gates for no specific reason, but of course he was part of Microsoft way back in the day. He founded Microsoft. He did a lot of work for Microsoft, but 
he could have easily just retired, taken his billions upon billions. He has like 70 some odd billion dollars in the bank, which is insane. He could have just taken that and went to Mexico, or not to Mexico, but anywhere, and just re retired and done nothing with the rest of his life. But he has done so much work in like humanitarian acts, trying to cure diseases, trying to make clean water for people in third world countries. He did something recently where he helped develop this machine, this filtration system, which takes basically urine and fecal matter, I believe, and converts it into drinkable water. And the guy drank this water just to prove that it's actually a viable system that could eventually be rolled out to a mass number of people. And I just love to see people like this who use their money and use their time for good. There was an article that I read that he linked recently. I don't remember the exact quote, but he said that, or I don't know if it was him or somebody, somebody quoted that said, there are too many people who put money before innovation and money before good. And he's one of these people that will spend as much money as he necessarily needs to in order to make good in the world. And so many people, you know, especially in the pharmaceutical industry, if, it, if they're not going to profit a lot off it, they're not even going to bother. Mm -hmm. And I can't even imagine how, how far we could have advanced if more people were like Bill Gates or like the guy who invented penicillin, I think it was, who didn't really care about the patent and didn't really care about making billions of dollars. They just cared about saving people's lives, which I think is so important. And I just wish more people would follow that. Look at Howard. All of a sudden, you're warm and fuzzy toward the PC. <laughs> I, I mean, I, again, I, like I said at the beginning, I have nothing against PCs, nothing against Microsoft. I just think Microsoft has made some very poor choices over well, the last I, few I years. With absolutely agree with you on, on yeah. that account. But I've always said that PCs are better for a lot of things. Macs are better for a lot of things. And, you know, I have a new PC on the way. So are you saying that you should use the appropriate tool for the job that you want to get done? Imagine that. <laughs> uh, so that just about wraps it up, man. That will do it. This was our first, well, this was episode number 27 of our podcast. If you're not following us, soundcloud.com slash wegeeks. And this was our first live We Geeks episode on YouTube. Looks like we're about an hour and 23 minutes. And we've had some people stick around for the whole time. So thank you so much. If you're in the chat room right now, I don't know if the chat's still working, kind of froze. But if you're still in here, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully we'll be back next week. I'm going to try and fix my lighting setup. I look like a ghost right now. Yeah, you are very blue slash purple, and I can't see the colors yeah. blue or purple because I'm colorblind, but I can tell that I can tell that you're rather <laughs> you're rather blue slash purple. Well, someone in the chat recommended I get a warmer light, and this one is the daylight, I think. Yeah, that's so that's that a cooler probably, that's the cooler light. Yeah, you need incandescent. So All you have to do go on to Adorama once we're done. They have like uh, CDL gels that are like six ninety nine. Get them, drape it over the light. Next week you will look like Pamela Anderson. Oh, that would be well, nice. Let's hope you don't look like Pamela Anderson. <laughs> no. That'd be very weird. Anyway, that about wraps it up. Episode 27 in the books. Thank you guys for watching. Everyone on YouTube, like we said, it's the new streaming feature on YouTube that we finally are getting to use uh, and really take it out for a test spin. And I think everything went pretty smoothly. At one point, my recording just magically stopped. Um, and I don't know if I missed anything that I said, but uh, I'll go back and figure that out after we, after we stop recording. And uh, if so, those of you who hung out and watched the live stream caught everything. And those of you that are listening to the podcast, well, the sound file will have been edited. So <laughs> there you have it. There you go. So thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you next week. Take it easy.